0: or Salem Media Group. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good
1: evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, coming up this election day, everyone's going to have an opportunity to vote on changing the Ohio Constitution and addressing the drug problem here in the state of Ohio. Complicated issue. There are pros and cons about it. I'm here to... Uh, give us an in-depth study of Issue 1 is the Honorable Kenneth Spanagel from the Board. Judge Spanagel, thank you for joining us. Good evening. Love, love having you here. It's a, uh, as I mentioned, it's a big issue as far as, you know, what, what do we do with uh, drugs and Issue 1. Uh, first off, what, what is going on with drugs and the opioids and drug dealers and drug users and, and all of that, and, and why do we have Issue 1 on the ballot?
2: Well, I think that's a two-step. First off, we all know about everything that's going on with opioid and other drug use, Uh, the use of Narcan by police to stop people from killing themselves. Uh, Issue 1 evolved as a constitutional amendment as opposed to legislative change through the General Assembly. The proponents believe that by amending our Constitution on drug policy, things can somehow be done better, But regardless of how you may think of the policy issues, this is not something that should be done in a constitutional amendment. But they got signatures through our state process, and it is now on the ballot as issue one.
1: Well, when we talk about a constitutional amendment, uh, what what is that for the people who aren't particularly aware of what's a constitutional requirement versus a, a simple state statute? What? Why is it so different? Why, why the concern? Well, the, the
2: General Assembly passes laws all the time. As even on the local level, regardless of what city you live in, there's what's called initiative, referendum, and recall. Initiative is where citizens can put something to the ballot. Recall is obviously recalling a public official. Referendum is taking a current law in the books and having it repealed. This is a constitutional amendment initiative. The proponents got signatures of people who said, we want to put it on the ballot. Um, We'll talk later about how they got those signatures. And enough signatures are filed with the Secretary of State that then a constitutional amendment, once certified by the Secretary of State, with appropriate language from the Attorney General, can be certified as a constitutional amendment, which is then submitted to the voters at the general election for voting. And And if voted on, that becomes part of the Constitution.
1: Now, when a uh, a constitutional amendment is in that the proponents got signatures, how many signatures were needed?
2: Well, I think for this cycle, they needed something like 300,000 signatures. They got about 700,000 signatures, but it was done through a process of paid professional solicitors. Essentially, someone walks up to you on the street and says, Sir, would you sign a petition to increase money for drug treatment? Sure, I'll sign that. People have no idea what they are signing is an amendment, obviously a a paradigm shift in our criminal law. They got the signatures through paid professionals. We'll talk later about who the people are, the money people. But they spent about $5 per signature, $3.7 million, to get the signatures to get it to the ballot. This is not the first time this has happened. Uh, One amendment this year didn't make the ballot because the proponents forgot to disclose they had paid solicitors. Our most recent, Marcy's Law, gambling, many other things have come through by way of this process.
1: Now, when you mention proponents in, in this case, uh, wh- why are there proponents, well, there are proponents, obviously. What, are th- what is their hope to gain from this issue?
2: Well, uh, let's we'll speak first about the people, be- the, the, the proponents. There are people in Ohio who believe this is a better way to do drug law. I think much of it may be a stem from their belief that the General Assembly will not change drug law the way we think it should be changed. And then the one way they can do it is through a constitutional amendment. Um, monetarily, the money backers are all billionaires from out of state. Of that $3.7 million I mentioned, a million came from George Soros, who I don't even know if he's a citizen of the United States. A million each came from Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, or the founder, and his co-founder. Also, a large uh, contribution was made by an entity called Tides. Uh, Most everybody's familiar with dark money. You're seeing dark money in all the election cycles now with individuals. Tides is a dark money uh, organization to buy time for social causes that they believe in, where whoever is giving the money to Tides, you don't know who they are. I mean, people in the state, I believe the ACLU, I think the Ohio Black Legislative Caucus, uh, they believe that that's better. But the real key, even if you like the policy, it should not be a constitutional amendment. We amend the Constitution. You can't change it unless you get another constitutional amendment um, by way of gambling. Dan Gilbert and his uh, the Hollywood Casino spent $50 million. So we have gambling, okay. But it is now forever four casinos, two owned by Mr. Gilbert or his successor, and two owned by the other entity. Nobody's going to go back and change that because nobody has the money to make the change. And that's why let the legislature do these things. Um, this was drafted, I think, with little real little, little understanding of how the Ohio criminal justice system works. They did not think about unintended consequences as to how this would affect the treatment of people separate from the justice aspect.
1: You, you mentioned out of state, uh, was Ohio targeted or a number of states targeted for uh, this approach to drugs?
2: Well, I believe Ohio was targeted because of our procedure to get a constitutional amendment and the ability of out-of-state funding to to fund it, and I think to some extent voters are not necessarily being misled, but it's like an iceberg. What they're presenting now in their ads, and they've spent a million or more so far on ads, is like the top piece of an iceberg. They know that sounds good. Money for treatment. Help treatment. It's the 90% of the iceberg below the water that sank the Titanic, and that's all the things that are the changes that will drastically hamper the ability of the criminal justice system to engage in helping people to get drug treatment.
1: You know, as we're, uh, we're we're talking about the proponents, uh, who all is opposing issue one? And, and I've seen a lot of people. Oh, but, but who do we have? We Where do we start? Hour. Here, yeah.
2: pretty much all judges, prosecutors, many defense lawyers, and lawyers are opposing it. The Ohio State Bar Association opposes it. I have yet to see an editorial, as editorials come from newspapers around the street, that have supported it. Um, Even treatment professionals. You would think, well, more money for treatment. Help improve treatment. These major organizations of people who are substance addiction treatment providers are against it. I think the major reason they're against it is without the carrot and stick approach with some people, they're not going to get the treatment. I think the proponents have this assumption that if we decriminalize all these things, the people will then go to treatment. If you've worked at all with addictive people... And whether it's alcohol, drugs, or gambling, whatever, many of them without the carrot and stick in- uh, incentive. If you don't do this, you're going to go to jail. And a lot do not go to jail, but they take that incentive, and then they get the treatment they need.
1: You know, with uh, with this constitutional amendment, uh, what's the language like? And does the language look like it's a fairly good thing to vote for, so that the voters out there who are not listening to us tonight might think that uh, seeing it for the first time on the ballot is a good thing to do. Uh, what what well, should we look for on that ballot, and, and how, how does it sound misleading, if at all?
2: Well, first off, as part of the ballot itself, which you'll get when you vote, there were proposals for what the ballot language will be. What's going to say on the ballot? And I assume you could probably already find that online through the Secretary of State's office, or perhaps through your own ballot or your own Board of Elections. That basically sets forth what you see on the ballot when you vote. There are many other ways to get information. If you go to the website for the Ohio Judicial Conference, which is all lowercase letters, OhioJudges.org, that will take you to their website, where you can navigate it pretty much on the home page to Issue 1, There's a whole resource of position papers against Issue 1, organizations against Issue 1. Judges and magistrates have made various studies of it as to its problems and the things that could happen should it pass.
1: And uh, that, again, is OhioJudges.org, is that correct? Yes. Well, we we have about a minute before our our first break here, but uh, how is the new amendment organized, what, uh, how many different uh, subjects and issues is it going to affect?
2: Well, although we'll take a little time after the break, let's start with, for now we can pick it up after the break, it would reclassify all fourth and fifth degree d- drug possession charges, and that's all drugs except for alcohol, as misdemeanors that could be punished only by probation on the first two offenses in two years.
1: And the rest we can pick up after the break. Okay, well, uh, this is a major overhaul for the drug um, the drug world here and, and people who are adversely affected. And uh, they even like to talk later on about uh, law enforcement and the drug traffickers, whether or not this is going to benefit them in any way. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Palma Municipal Court Judge Kenneth Spanagal about Issue 1. Uh, the revamping of the drug program here in Ohio, the the, the drug laws, and changing it by um, uh, essentially a constitutional amendment. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here with Judge Spanagel on The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Thank you.
3: Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips & Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800.
4: Coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at SelectInsService.com. 440-237-8555, or SelectInsService.com.
1: Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs
5: how's your back Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free.
6: at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care.
3: You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800.
1: Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Tonight we're talking about Issue 1 and the change to the Ohio Constitution as to how we uh, take care of criminal cases here in the state of Ohio. With us tonight again is the Honorable Judge Kenneth Spanagel from the Parma Municipal Court to tell us all about it. Judge Spanagel, as always, thank you for being on and, and helping us through this.
2: And again, thank you, Nick.
1: You know, uh, as we were talking before the break, we we're talking about the substance of the constitutional amendment to change the drug laws, and uh, we were talking about uh, changing the laws from felonies to misdemeanors and uh, that that appears to be lightening the penalties for drug possession and drug uh, even drug trafficking is that all true
2: yes sir on trafficking we do not have a crime in Ohio what's called trafficking with intent to distribute. If I have a certain amount of drug, I might be a dealer, but it doesn't really have a way that we could make a felony of intent to distribute. And with the felonies to misdemeanors, it also provides that you can only get probation for the first two offenses in two years. Now, that could mean that I might never go to jail. By way of example, let's say this passes. In February 1st, 2019, I get a drug conviction. It's a misdemeanor, can't be sent to jail, can only get probation. February 1st, 2020, I get a second in two years. Still a misdemeanor, still can't send me to jail. If on March 1st, 2021, I get another felony conviction, well, that's your third, but the way it's written, the first two in two years, I can't be sent to jail, and I can only get probation. So for the sake of discussion, one might continue to use, because obviously between convictions, people still use, and I might never go to proba- uh, excuse me, never go to jail or never have a probation sanction that could put me in jail. It also prohibits a prison sentence for probation violations unless they're new felonies or misdemeanors. And it's the probation violation process that's part of that carrot and stick approach that many people who are convicted, and not all of them are convicted of felonies, they do not follow probation. They do not follow treatment, they use, and there needs to be a sanction for that. There's also a process which has created some controversy that creates an earned credit of up to 25% for people in prison now for prison programming, which that's a good thing for programming, but on all but a few offenses, which could result in very serious offenders getting out early. Now, what they say in terms of money savings, they've set forth what they say is a formula that will determine savings from the prisons where we'll have less people in prison, that money should then go into treatment programs, some goes into trauma recovery services for victims, but for all the math that the proponents throw out there, the math's just not there for what they say it will generate. And those are, those are the immediate basic things that issue one would do. Many of the what ifs are based upon if this passes, what will go wrong or what will be the automatic problems?
1: Well, always a good question. What can go wrong?
2: Where do we start? Well, first off, on on this whole earned credit thing, it is limited to, I believe, murders, child molestation, but we don't have a crime of child molestation in this state. We have sexual offenses related to children, but arguably serious offenses, felonious assault and others. Prison programming, let's say this, is a good thing. I've been involved with the Sentencing Commission of Ohio I've seen what can be done in the prison system where people come out with jobs, people come out with skills, the GEDs, substance treatment. All these are good. But literally a whole lot of people who maybe should stay in prison could get out as much as 25% earlier. I think the biggest thing is, from my world, if this passes, the entire drug criminal caseload, shift from the common police court to the municipal court. We start in the municipal court with felonies. They go to common police court. That's where all of the the treatment abilities and, yes, some incarceration abilities are downtown. That would be eliminated. Only misdemeanors happen here. They can't go downtown. Many of the treatment vehicles would be unable to be used for treatment. There is a process called intervention in lieu of conviction where a person pleads guilty Then they go into treatment, they go up through a year, and if they get done, the case is dismissed. There's the drug courts. There's what's called the CBCF, Community-Based Correctional Facility, where people are incarcerated, but they're incarcerated locally, community-based. And while they're in there, they get the treatment. Many of our other treatment options would not be available because they run through the common police court. And the municipal court, separate from a huge caseload increase, we lack the ability to manage the treatment
1: and the people. I was going to ask that about uh, the change in the law, assuming if this would pass, and uh, it looks like there would be many, many more misdemeanor prosecutions coming through your court. Uh, How are you equipped to handle uh, the drug programs, or would these people from your court be easily shifted over to the county programs or some other program to keep these people from spiraling out of control and just... uh, continuing on with drug addiction problems.
2: Well, in terms of county programming through the common police court, uh, I won't say it would cease to exist, but it would cease to be available. The the sheer volume, and unfortunately that's one piece of data I've not done as far as, okay, how many felony drug cases are there downtown that would become misdemeanors? Um, They would all shift to our level. Now, we do deal with drug convictions here. We have people who are convicted of misdemeanors who plead back to misdemeanors, so we do it. But the numbers of people would just overwhelm us. There's no way we could do it. Um, Common Pleased Court has a wide variety of options, and many people don't go to incarceration. I think it's a misnomer to say that people go to prison. People may go to incarceration. More go to local incarcerations, whether it's short or long term, than go to prison. The proponents talk about letting all these people out of prison. Well, the the DRC is our prison system, that's short for Department of Rehabilitation and Correction. They take a snapshot, let's say, as far as who is in prison. A snapshot of January 1st of this year showed that only 2,600 and change are in for drug offenses. And that includes serious drug offenders. So there aren't as many people in prison as they would lead us to believe. That's a small percentage of our approximately 51,000-person prison population. When they calculate the money that would be generated as a formula based upon those people getting out, it's just not there. What they say would be, in terms of money, won't happen. And other, Two other states have done initiatives, but they were legislative initiatives. Voters passed a change in laws. General assemblies can fix those laws when they found not to work. Oklahoma, California have also had some problems the money expected didn't didn't show up like they intended, and now those states are looking to change those laws. But again, as we talked in the last segment, you can change laws. That's what General Assemblies do. You can't change a constitutional amendment.
1: Uh, Are we having any formal pushback against the constitutional amendment? Uh, I've seen some uh, ads coming out where it seems everyone in government is opposed to it.
2: I think because, you know, I'm I'm in government, I'm a judge, but when you know the lawyers... County Commissioners, policy people, again the treatment professionals—they can see where this is a problem. I mean, it—you know—the the secondary crime aspect. Okay, so we'll, there's there's no question we need to look at treatment with more treatment and with a better approach. To just wave our hand and let the criminal thing eliminate the carrot and stick is not the way to do it. Then there's the other crimes. Obviously, people. Commit other crimes to get drugs, with these reductions in penalties or in what we'll call any responsibility theft, property crime, and we're talking theft from everybody from the local giant eagle or Walmart to grandma and grandma and auntie and mom and dad. Because an addict to one's drugs is not going to worry about who they're stealing from. Uh, I'm I'm concerned because in terms of the business model of drug dealing. This encourages a business model. I know people talk about drug dealers coming from out of state. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about gangs and other dealers in state because this would fit their business model to a T, which is they don't deal big-time drugs. They got people who carry small amounts, and with those small amounts, then deliver them and sell them. Um, and I, I think it would, it would expand the, the industry of drug trafficking because of the lack of sanction for those who violate the law.
1: Well, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to Judge Kenneth Spanagle. Uh, He's a municipal court judge at the Parma Municipal Court, and we're talking about uh, issue one in some detail. We're going to have a special, this is a special program tonight. We're going to spend an hour uh, talking about this important constitutional change that uh, is is just not uh, going to be what it apparently is uh, put up to be. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate, along with Judge Kenneth Spanicle. We're taking a short break. We'll be back after these words, so don't go away.
4: Gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com.
1: Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs
5: how's your back Every day, thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life. Dr. Patrick McCluskey and his staff at the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains. Located in North Royalton at Sprague and York Roads, schedule an appointment today with the Timber Ridge Neck and Back Pain Clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment. That's 440-884-0083. Just imagine being neck and back pain free. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your
3: entire life being careful protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips & Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips & Millie at 440-243-2800. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips & Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800.
6: at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care.
1: Welcome back. Cleveland, Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate for our special program tonight concerning Issue 1, the change of the drug laws by constitutional amendment here in the state of Ohio. And with us to talk about it tonight is the Honorable Judge Kenneth Spanagle, a judge at the Parma Municipal Court. Judge Spanagel, as always, it's a pleasure having you here and helping us understand what's going on here, if this should pass. And uh, so we're we're glad to have you with us tonight.
2: Yeah, as we've known each other over 40 years, Nick, and this one may be one of the most important conversations we've had in Mm 40-plus years of friendship.
1: I I think so. It's been a quick uh, number of years, but as we're older, this is definitely going to affect the, the younger generations and not only the generations of, of children and uh, people who might be affected directly with the drug culture, but uh, the law—you know, those of the younger people who are going into law enforcement, going into law, going into being judges, going into social work, it's just going to have an across the board change in complexion is how we look at drug violations. And uh, l- let me ask you a question. Is issue one all about the drugs?
2: No, well, drugs and treatment, but you also have the earned credit component for people in prison. Um, that doesn't just affect drug charges.
1: Is, um, is that? Let me ask about that earned credit. Is that available to anyone who is in prison for any drug charge, like trafficking or manufacturing well, distribution? Drug,
2: the only restrictions are, I think, murder, rape, and child molestation. obviously if someone's in regardless of the level of murder, they could not get this earned credit with programming. We do not have a crime of child molestation, okay? Murder, rape, child molestation. Murder, pretty easy to understand. Rape, pretty easy to understand. Child molestation, we do not have such a crime. Now, you have sex offenses related to children, that for the sake of discussion, you got to remember this is a constitutional amendment. You must read the words the way they are. A good defense lawyer, and there's good defense lawyers, could argue well, other, with the exception of child rape, that any other child sexual offense could be not child molestation. But in any event, you will have felonious assaults, robberies, um, aggravated assaults, um, Major theft offenders, all of them would be available for up to a 25% reduction in their sentence. Now, as I said before, prison programming, we could do a whole segment just talking about the good things coming out of prison. I've seen um, trained butchers who get knives in prison doing all the meat cutting for the prison system. I've seen people in the women's prison who Tim Hortons, the, the, the bakery chain... We'll hire them as managers as soon as they walk out the door because they've gone through good programming. But not just blanket <coughs> programming. The General Assembly can decide, okay, well, we'll let these offenses get this credit out, but not a robber, not a felonious assaulter. These people are in there for serious crimes.
1: Yeah, I have, I have a question with regard to the history of uh, Ohio and uh, as well other states. When something as specific as uh, this particular constitutional amendment comes up with the kind of detail that it does, uh, wh- what are the chances of ever modifying it or tweaking it if we find out the unintended consequences are doing us more harm than good?
2: Well, the problem is when you have a financial backer, and this organization, the proponents of it, have major financial backing from out-of-state billionaires. It's a fact. Our new Marcy's Law Victims' Right happened because there was an out-of-state billionaire who wanted his version of victims' rights in the Constitution. It takes money. It takes time. You need three four 400,000 signatures and a certain amount from each county. Yes, one could do an initiative to change this. What is the reality, likelihood of it? Highly, highly, highly unlikely because it would take an organization to get a certain number of signatures, certain number of signatures per county, and then to attempt to get voters to pass it, which is a multi-million dollar ad campaign in this day and age. Uh, If you recall a couple years ago, some people for their own profit, if you will, there was an amendment to legalize marijuana recreationally, but the business would be controlled by ten entities. Now, I think someday we may have legal marijuana here, and voters might have voted for it had it not been controlled by ten people. But those ten people, just like this one, had some very strong and interests. They had a vested interest, like Gilbert and his casino uh, companion had millions of dollars to invest. Now, what's the likelihood that's going to happen if somebody says, it's time to change it? And it's there forever. That's the Constitution.
1: Well, I know it's very difficult to change, but trying to find out what's the motivation to get the backers to promote so heavily, issue one, and uh, when we say follow the money, the question is, uh, where's the money at for the proponents here if this uh, amendment uh, wins? We could see in the casino situation, you become one of the casino owners or you become in the marijuana situation, one of the marijuana growers. Uh, How do these people benefit if Issue 1 passes here?
2: Well, I can't speak for the money people. You might want to ask George Soros and Zuckerberg and the Tides why they're funding it. I am sure they have their agenda. And and the proponents in this state may be well-meaning, but these are also people who are well-meaning because they want to try and find ways to do it better. I understand and respect that, but not this way. And I think they're frustrated to some extent that, that our government has not, Done it, and that they think that they know better. With no disrespect to the proponents, um, for whoever drafted this, they they did not seek input from the criminal justice community, judges, treatment professionals. Um, I suppose if they would have sat down with me or some other judges, some prosecutors, and defense lawyers, we might be able to craft something better. But literally. You know, it's as if layman drafted it with no concept. Mm-hmm. And the people here in state, here's the way we think it should be done. Well, it sounds good, but as they say, the devil's in the details. The real problems are that 90% of this issue, one iceberg that are under surface, that once we've got the language of it, judges, prosecutors, treatment professionals could all look at it and say, here are the flaws.
1: Well, I always like the term unintended consequences, and that's what we may be facing with here. Yeah,
2: we may even have unfunded mandates sir, but I'm not worried about that yet.
1: Not yet. Here's another question. I'm reading from a a list of misconceptions that the opponents to issue one are are distributing. Here's misconception number three, that judges send probationers to prison for stupid stuff. I, I thought you'd enjoy answering that one.
2: Well, okay, first off, uh, although we covered, we have what's called community control. We don't call it probation anymore. And a probation violation can be a number of things. There are things called technical violations. There are more serious violations. Obviously, I commit another crime. That's a serious violation. Uh, A dirty urine could be a violation of your community control, especially if you're in drug treatment. To be honest, I've stopped worrying about marijuana dirty urines because it's not something that I'm going to stop. But if they're positive for opioids or fentanyl or what's called BUP, uh, amphetamines, those are violations. Now, it's sort of like with your children, okay? And I guess in a sense, my client defendants, if you will, are like my children. I give them a sanction. You broke a rule, you don't get a computer. You go to a rule, no TV. You can't go out with your friends. Okay. And I guess this, if you violate the parenting rules or you violate community control, we up the sanction. Well, there's this conception that, okay, people are getting sent to jail or prison for stupid stuff. Judges understand this. There's also, well, we have what's called TCAP we've had for the last couple of years, where more and more the prison system is trying to shift people to local incarceration. People have this envisionment of the prison sentence system that is for most people wrong. Because if you send somebody to prison for, for let's say four months, six months, the first chunk of time is spent in processing to determine where you should go. By the time they get done with that, they're out. Judges know this. We are not going to swell. I don't send people to prison. For me, they go to jail. But judges understand that by the time you have, a bit of the analogy is, cat, the old cat got nine lives,
1: mm-hmm. about I would 30 say seconds. That
2: probably a probationer will use up a lot of those nine lives before the judge finally says, you know what, seven, eight, nine lives, nine times you screwed up, now it's time for you to be incarcerated.
1: I, I hear, I remember seeing many times in court uh, watching judges sentence people, and the judges remember who these people are. and. Uh, They talk to them about their in-and-out probation violations and so forth before they actually do the hard time. We're talking to Parma Municipal Court Judge Ken Spanagel about Issue 1 and the drug problem here in the state of Ohio. We're going to come back for our last segment tonight, so don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back.
4: gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com.
1: Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs.
6: at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care.
5: How's your back? every day thousands of people suffer with unrelenting back pain that takes time from their normal life dr patrick mccluskey and his staff at the timber ridge neck and back pain clinic provide the helping hands to relieve those nagging pains located in north royalton at sprague and york roads schedule an appointment today with the timber ridge neck and back pain clinic by calling 440-884-0083 for an appointment that's 440-884-0083 just imagine being neck and back pain free Hello, Mark Bush for greaterthanheroin.com.
2: Our nation, our state, our county, and our local communities are in the midst of this crisis. It saddens us at Bush. We see firsthand the
5: final outcome impacting families when overdose deaths occur. Greaterthanheroin.com is a resource for everyone. Join us in our efforts. Email feedback at greaterthanheroin.com to help us defeat this crisis.
1: Cleveland, Nick Phillips, with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. Uh, We are exploring the details and the consequences of approving a constitutional amendment to the Ohio Constitution, that being issue one on the November ballot here in uh, in Ohio. And uh, it's a complicated change in the law because of the consequences that aren't readily apparent when you take a look at the ballot language. So we're talking to Judge Kenneth Spanagle, a judge in the Parma Municipal Court, to bring us up to date on what some of the issues are. So Judge Spanagle, thank you for joining us and uh, helping us uh, sort of see into the future here about some unintended consequences that might occur on this. And and as we were talking earlier, uh, wondering about, uh, again, following the money and the people who are supporting it, uh, a lot of candidates are going to be on the ballot in November. And of those uh, people on the ballot for various political offices, some of them are supporting issue one and others are uh, opposed to issue one. Can you give us a quick rundown as to who's on what side on this issue?
2: Well, I think pretty much the Republican statewide candidates are against it. I know Mike DeWine is against it. Now, intriguing on the Democratic side, Richard Cordray is for it. But Stephen Dettelbach, who was the Democrat attorney general candidate, who was a former federal prosecutor for Northern Ohio, is against it. Because I think he understands, too, because he understands the criminal justice system, that this is not a way to do it. Um, we talked about dark money earlier. Uh, you've seen a lot of ads now attacking Cordray on the drug policy. And I think most recently one where there's a whole bunch of different county sheriffs a lot of these are coming from the DeWine campaign and all those that you see is because Cordray supports issue one I mean, without getting to candidates um, and I think he might be he might be supporting it because of the various constituency groups that he sort of has to uh, cater to to try and get elected but um, I think the others realize that well this ain't the way to do it Uh yeah. Stephen Dettelbach, attorney general candidate on, on the Democratic side, sees and knows. And God forbid, uh, well, let put it this way, if Mr. Cordray gets elected and this passes, he'll have much more to worry about than trying to balance a state budget.
1: Uh, I assume, yeah, dealing with the, the drug issues. You know, sort of going back to the, the drugs and the blanket way in which drugs are uh, looked at here in issue one. Uh, is there any way that the system can deal with different types of drugs? I know we're talking about opioids, but what about crack cocaine, which is still a problem in Well, and again, date if, if drugs you read
2: the, de- the definitional parts of the amendment, with the exception of alcohol that is not included, all other drugs are drugs and are in the amendment. Um, so, obviously, you know, we always think about using drugs, okay? You know, I'm a, I'm a heroin user, I'm a crack user, I smoke weed, whatever. Um... There are also other drug things, and and the one that I've I've observed lately, that uh, rohypnol, which is also known as roofies, the date rape drug. Let's just say that I got some roofies, and it's my intention to share a cocktail tonight with some nice lady, slip her one, and then commit some sexual offenses. Well, that person would be subject to the same misdemeanor as somebody who's shooting heroin, where we know that that person is not possessing rohypnol for his or her own personal use they've got it because they intend on using that drug to commit other crimes and that would be in the same vein prescription drugs non-prescription drugs what we refer to as street drugs and another thing in that regard is there is nothing to protect against the drugs of the future fentanyl is big now or carfentanyl. Because these have evolved in the pharmaceutical industry, they've become shipped from China, whatever, and they weren't around five, six, seven years ago. Um, there's also there's also swings in what people use. What we're learning now is many people, because they're afraid of overdosing fentanyl or heroin, are getting back to using methamphetamine for their their high, different high, but oh well. I can't overdose on methamphetamine, so that way I don't worry about it. I'll just do that drug instead. But all drugs would be covered, and they would all become misdemeanors.
1: Uh, as, as you're explaining that, my mind is whether or not, uh, as pass, and passed we have this constitutional amendment written in stone as it is, uh, can the legislature pass collateral legislation that could fine-tune and uh, maybe make a, a better situation than what we may have otherwise? Well,
2: the answer is no. You can't amend the Constitution by changing language. To use a simple, a, a, a federal analogy, okay? Whatever your position is on abortion, Roe versus Wade sets forth the process of Roe versus Wade and abortion. The government, and they've tried to pass various laws, but ultimately, you can't change the Constitution by changing a law, unless we change the definition in this amendment, that we're going to change the definition of the Constitution what a drug is, they can't do anything. The other part of that is the General Assembly, if this passes, the General Assembly in this amendment is charged that within, I think, 30 to 90 days, they must must pass the laws consistent with the language of the amendment. That is nigh impossible for any legislative body to act that
1: fast. Wow. And it may, may never happen. Let me switch gears just a little bit because I think one of the emotional uh, drives behind uh, issue one is the fact that uh, the people who are addicted to drugs are poor souls and, and they need saving, they need treatment, and that the criminal system just uh, does not care about treatment. Uh, how, how true is that?
2: Untrue with a capital U, there's this assumption that people just get sent to jail. That is not true. Um, Reginald Wilkinson was a retired director of the prison system, made a comment once that I remember. There are bad people and people we are mad at. No question, bad people should be put away in protecting us. But how mad are we in terms of things? We do more treatment through threat of incarceration, and yes, sometimes incarceration. We have what's called jail reduction. I send people, let's say, to jail for 90 days to six months for offenses, and not just drug offenses, but drug offenses. When I say jail reduction, it means that down at county jail, within 30 days or less, they are assessed and then determined where they should be going to treatment. They are then going to treatment. Many of them are not in jail. They're in a facility getting treatment. There's also dual diagnosis. Many people The poor souls, as you used it, have mental health issues as well as drug issues. That's dual diagnosis. If we deal with the mental health issues, you can deal with the drug issues because many people with mental health issues do drugs because they don't properly get their mental health issues managed. Many, many people. Unfortunately, I don't have the data right now in front of me. I would say there are probably more people who are sentenced and who are in jail are involved in some treatment modality, whether in jail or in some other facility or out in treatment, that are actually just sitting in jail for a drug offense.
1: Wow. You know, I'm, as, as I'm listening to this, I'm just impressed constantly with the fact that when we do a constitutional amendment, that's such a big thing that it's so unchangeable. It's like a big granite rock you know, placed o- over someone's tomb. I mean, not, and if you, you look at the them. U.S.
2: Constitution, which is a different process of amendment, the voters can't amend the U.S. Constitution. We can. The process has always worked to weed out. I mean, we had a prohibition amendment. Fifteen years later, it's not working. They repealed it. You can't do that in Ohio. There should not be a constitutional amendment. And, and many of the associations, my own municipal judicial association, my sentencing commission, which is a body of the state of Ohio, opposed it solely upon the fact that it should not be in the Constitution. If there are some things here that are worth doing, then the General Assembly needs to address them. And I think there's a, even with a conservative legislature, I think there's a mindset in the General Assembly that come next January when the new General Assembly is in place, they got to take some serious looking at revamping our drug laws to do some of the things that Issue 1 wants to do.
1: Well, that, that's constitutional our, amendment. that is our time. That is our time. Judge uh, Kenneth I, Spanagel.
2: I again. Go to OhioJudges.org You'll find a lot of information on the problem and why this should be opposed and why you should vote no on issue
1: one. Oh. And other drug abuses are still a problem. Do go to that website. Find out about issue one. It's a change to the Constitution. And uh, we thank Judge Spanagel for joining us tonight and giving us thank such an introduction. Thank you
2: Nick for providing the time to share with voters the truth.
1: Well, it's going to be uh, very, very important. So thank you, Judge Spanigle. And uh, thank you for listening tonight. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great time, uh, great week. Good night.
2: And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With
0: nothing to do until morning Not only my mind